you're an 18 year old lying in bed and you're sweating profusely because your body feels like it's on fire, not from the warm sun, but from the inside out. Mm. But you're also shaking uncontrollably what? because you are shivering and you feel like you have a vice clamped around your head. On top of that, you feel like you're being stabbed with an ice pick all over. Wow. Why is this happening? What is happening to you? You've been exposed to the outside world and now you will die. The book, Everything, Everything. The author, Nicola Yoon. And you're listening to Lit Society. Let's, Let's get lit. lit. Hi, readers. This is Alexis. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and drama. Hi. Kari, mm-hmm. you know, the immune disease discussed in this book reminded me of an episode of, of Seinfeld. Seinfeld. <laughs> I already knew Same you. Same for you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. You remember the episode? Bubble Boy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, in the episode, Bubble Boy was obnoxious and offensive, um, but he was based on a real person, what? which leads me to our theme of the what? week. What? Yes. <laughs> Yes. Each week we select a theme to discuss inspired by the book that we're reading. This week's theme is The Real Bubble Boy <gasps> and How He Helps Cure a Rare Disease. What? Yeah. How you did d- I not know this? You didn't know that? No, really? I'm so excited. Yeah. It's based on a 2000. Um, this theme is based on a 2018 article from History Collection. So One out of every 50,000 children are born with the genetic disorder called SCID or severe combined immunodeficiency. It's a genetic disorder. It Mm -hmm. runs in families. Yes. Oh, that's terrifying. Doctors believe that it's actually more common than we think and often misdiagnosed. The disorder causes the body's cells not to build up an immune system Mm -hmm. to fight off Infection, which we need. We need that. Enter the Vetter family. Carol and David Vetter, their first son, was born with skid and he died at seven months old. Mm. The doctors told the parents that any male child they had would have a 50 percent chance of inheriting the disease. Wow. The second child they had was a daughter. So they got pregnant again. Their third child was David Philip Vetter, and he was born in 1971. After being exposed to the air for just a few seconds, he displayed signs of the sickness. So he was diagnosed with skid and quickly moved to a sterile bubble. The mom, having had experience with this prior, she knew exactly what her son needed and, of course, gave the heads up to the staff. Mm. Most babies that are born with skid die right away. So they consider it a miracle that he even survived long enough to even get to the bubble. Wow. Isn't that crazy? From the birth to yes. the bubble. Wow. Yes, from birth, from the birth canal out to the bubble. Mm-hmm. He just made it. It so. says something though about how 
perfectly made the womb is that even if you have this deficiency, as long as you're in there, you're safe. Yeah. And that's something. Oh, that's so sad. Okay. Okay. So he was raised at the Texas Children's Hospital and doctors thought that he would outgrow the disease by the age of two. That He's didn't living happen. in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking in the home, they've set up something. But no, oh, poor baby. No, 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 mm-hmm. no. He's living in the hospital. And by the age of two, they kind of figured that his immune system would be strong enough to survive the world. Again, as I mentioned, that did not happen. What was that based on? They was just tired of hanging out with him. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I did read is that his time in the hospital cost like 1.5 million. But this was like in the 70s. So, um it, it costs a lot, mm-hmm. quite a bit for that time. Yeah, they were probably over the financial burden of having to care for someone's child. But go ahead. So when he was about six, NASA made him a spacesuit that would allow him to go outside. Mm. But he would still have to be connected to the hospital so that he could have sterile air. Mm-hmm. And he was able to play with his sister, be outside. I think it's a picture of him playing with a water hose, I think, outside. At water hose, yes, a water hose. That's outside. interesting because our character in the book fashions or forms a astronaut. She has mm-hmm. these fantasies about an astronaut who's not able to enjoy the world around them. That might, that might be where that comes from. Yeah. It must be. Mm-hmm. Okay, so cool. Okay, so when it was time for him to go to school, they just got him tutors. So the tutors would come into the hospital and and teach him. Um, He had access to a TV, movies, he could read books. He was given all the things that he could get within the hospital in his bubble space um, so he could grow up. I mean, he's in a cell and it's basically like solitary confinement sometimes. Yeah, because he couldn't go nowhere. Yeah, he's not meeting new people. So if his parents go on vacation. When the tutors come. Okay. Um, it's not like he's hanging out with f- all these friends he met That's in life. The correct That's- um statement. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So as he gets older, you know, he realizes or he begins to feel as if he's missing out, right? That's only natural. Mm-hmm. When he's eight, the family is told that most likely there won't be a cure for another 10 years. But also to that is the idea that since there were so few people with it they were not as why bother on a cure yeah that mm. the cure wasn't at the top of the list right so but they had no HeLa cells <laughs> by this time also his condition and life in the bubble was already news world news oh for sure and when he was 12 he started talking about living outside of the bubble the world had um all their opinions about this about their family um, ex- specifically the mom, she had started receiving hate mail. They were calling her overprotective, controlling, and purely just a bad mom. But not only was she receiving <laughs> um, hate mail from the general public, she was getting hate mail from the profession, from the medical profession. I thought she was going to say from her son in the bubble, <laughs> like, I hate you, mom. <laughs> You knew this was going to happen to me. I hate you. <laughs> what? I was about to say, wow. A Plot twist. Blame. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Of course, it's always the mom that's got to catch the blame. Mm-hmm. So scientists and doctors are 
sending her hate mail. Yeah, they all sending her and what hate are, mail. What, what is their opinion? What? Why? Why are they upset? They like everybody's like she should be letting him out, but she is protecting. Are they not listening? <laughs> he will die. He will die. Yeah. So mm-hmm. public pressure, public pressure, and Davis' desire to leave the bubble um, moved the family to take a risk. So there was a cure in process. It wasn't complete. Um, So it was experimental and the family decided to move forward with this experimental treatment. They were going to take they were taking bone marrow from David's sister, who was born healthy, and they were going to inject him with it in hopes that that would fix. This um, had worked in other cases, but there was no guarantee that it would work in his case. It did not work. Mm. So, of course, his body is rejecting. And both of the children. Now you got these needles in the daughter and bone marrow needles are no joke. You are taking out what's in the inside of the bone. That's extremely painful. You have both of your children going through this with hopes that finally um, your son will be cured, live a happy, quote unquote, normal life. And you can stop receiving this hate mail. And then it don't work. Then it doesn't work. Yeah, the siblings were not a perfect match. Mm. So during the time that David was out of the bubble for the surgery, he developed the Epstein-Barr virus, which is mono. Are you familiar with mono? Mm-hmm. Well, that actually has can lead to cancer. What? Two weeks later, he contracted lymphoma. Wow. It spread through his body quickly because he didn't have an immune system and he died in <gasps> 1984 at what? the age of 12. Yeah. Seinfeld, shame on you. This is a terribly sad story. Exactly. Because of David's death and the media attention, um, they started receiving funding for research into a oh, cure wow. for skid. Where was this funding? Ugh. Right, Everybody right. always do stuff backwards. Yeah, yeah. So scientists and doctors would um, learn that they needed to take the bone marrow and stem cell from the um, umbilical cord and then do a bone marrow transplant. And doing doing that process works in about 95 percent of skid cases. Once a child with skid develops their first infection, it's too late. Today, they can diagnose skid in, in the, the mother's womb. womb. Yeah. Wow. And they can treat it within the womb so that the child comes out. Wow. Healthy. They expedited the research for the cure because of an emotional response to this boy's death. Yeah. Everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. Yeah. And not every state requires this skid um, screening. So I, I don't know if Illinois is one of those states, but. And of course, I haven't had a baby in years, so I, I would know. But not every state requires it. So every parent is not getting it. And like I mentioned, if they're not finding out in the womb, it's too late by the time yeah, they get yeah. their first infection. So there were movies made about them. And I remember that this this book triggered the Seinfeld memory and then also the memory of David. Like, I don't remember his name. I just knew I remember that being in the media mm-hmm. when I was a little girl mm-hmm. about um, a bubble boy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the real bubble boy and wow. how his death led to a cure. Thank you so much for that context. It adds like a sobering layer of 
um, just understanding to the book that we read this week. Thank you for that. Why don't we take a quick break before we jump into the author and context? Sure. What can you share with us about the author and context of this book? Yes, yes, yes. So Mrs. Yoon is a Jamaican-American author from Brooklyn who majored in electrical engineering. Did you know that? No. She's a tech girl. And Nicola's Another like, one. you know, I love the tech. But then she took one creative writing class and she was like, OK, I love the writing. Oh, wow. <laughs> She's also a number one New York Times bestselling author of um, Instructions for Dancing. That's one book. Everything, everything. The sun is also a star and she's a co-author of Blackout. She is a National Book Award finalist, a Michael L. Prince Honor Book recipient, a Coretta Scott King New Talent Award winner, and the first black woman to hit number one on the New York Times Young Adult Bestseller list. Oh, wow. Can you believe that? Congratulations to her. Mm -hmm. Is it with this book? I believe so. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes. Yes, it is. So two of her novels have been made into major motion pictures, which I'm sure you know. That's this book we're reading this week. Everything, everything. And also The Sun is also a star. She's also the co-publisher of Joy Revolution, a random house young adult imprint dedicated to love stories starring people of color. Hmm. So like I said, she's a tech girl. She majored in electrical engineering. However, a creative writing class got her hooked on writing, just one class. And then after graduation, she attended um, a master of creative writing program at Emerson College. Then years later, after after the birth of her first child, she reflected on the worries consuming her about being a first time parent. And she poured all of those worries into a 17 year old girl. And she was like, that's a book. Yes. <laughs> If you can worry sure. about a nearly adult daughter like you do a baby, mm. what is that? What what where is that story? Mm. So it took you in three years to write the book. Um, and she would write early in the mornings while working full time as a as a programmer, mm. <laughs> and then raising their daughter, which is another job. That's yeah. a, two full time jobs. So anyway, her husband, Korean American graphic designer David Yoon, he drew all the illustrations in the book. Yeah, so cute. Yeah, they are. They're adorable. Um, Everything, Everything was released in September 2015, which really um, shines some light on how shocking it is that she's the first black woman to hit number one on the New York Times uh, bestselling young adult list. But whatever it is, what it is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, it debuted at number one and then spent 40 weeks on the bestseller list. Wow. Currently, she lives in L.A. with her husband. He's um, a graphic designer and novelist, David Yoon Mm -hmm. and their daughter. And that's Nicola Yoon. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for sharing, Kari. Now let's hear a brief synopsis without spoilers before our deep dive. Deathly allergic to everything on earth, Maddie must spend her life inside her home with only her mother and nurse for company. She passes the time with surprising optimism, reading books, watching movies, and playing games. But when a new family moves in next door with their teenage son, Ollie, Maddie learns something about herself that tears her world apart and nearly destroys herself and everyone she knows. 
Uh, so what were your first thoughts of everything, everything, Alexis? Okay, so when I learned we had to read this, I didn't know what it was about mm-hmm. at all. And the first thing I thought about was a movie that was on, I think it was on Netflix. I saw previews for it. And I was like, oh, that might be an interesting movie. <laughs> but then I was like, ugh. I ain't going to be watching no teenage love movies. I'm oh, over it. Oh, is the movie based on this book? Yes. Oh, wow. so, did you watch it? I, I never watched the Me movie. Me neither. But I did see it. And that's because I wasn't going to watch a teenage love story. <laughs> and I was going to move on with my life. So okay? movie night, we got to watch it. Yeah, definitely got to watch it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so um, when I got it, I was like, okay, well, I can read the book, though. Yeah, that feels a little more elevated to yeah. you. <laughs> You don't watch um, teen romances? Uh, no, I actually, I don't. You're not into Korean drama? No, I'm not. Oh, that's a shame. I probably could be exposed to it. I'm not that way. Okay. I, j- I just haven't been. So, Kari, who do you think would enjoy reading this book? Again, if you love YA romances, again, we love The Sound of Stars. I keep bringing it up. Completely different theme. Yeah. However, if you just love that crazy tension that comes when his like abs are shining and his eyes are sparkling <laughs> and he's looking at you oh, and boy. you're the only person and not the room, but the world right, right. and your heart stops and you're never the same. <laughs> if you love all that, like I do, you'll love this book. <laughs> okay. So are you ready, Kari, to take a spoiler filled deep dive into everything, everything? Here we go. Part one, the white room. Meet Madeline, a.k.a. Maddie. She hasn't left the house in how long, Alexis? 17 years. 17 years. And you believe it? Oh, my goodness. Her mother's a professional doctor, which is great because she's also Maddie's doctor and main caregiver. Her existence, Maddie's existence, is confined to an all-white room with white furniture. She reads a lot. Her books arrive sanitized and sealed in plastic. She opens them joyfully and writes inside, reward if found. It's a little joke to herself Mm -hmm. because it would never get lost, these books, because she don't go nowhere. Um, So she'll write in it like, reward if found, a picnic with me, drink tea with me, (laughs) snorkel with me, um, off the coast of Hawaii, um, visit a used bookstore with me. And then sometimes she'll just write me. Oh, that's kind of so, cute. Now we see how um, she really desires to be out in the world. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with Maddie? She tells us pretty much right away. Yep. My disease is as rare as it is famous. Basically, I'm allergic to the world. I don't leave my house. The only people I ever see are my mom and my nurse, Carla. The disease that keeps Maddie in her room is called severe combined immunodeficiency or SCID. And she refers to herself as permanently living on SCID row. Get it? That's a pun. Mm -hmm. She's turning 18 today, y'all. That means she spent one year outside of her quote unquote bubble and 17 years inside of that bubble, that home. She she spends her birthday with her mom as she usually does. And this is a really sad time. Um, although they both pretend to make it fun because it's a reminder of another year passing without a cure. Although Alexis told us there is a cure, but that cure is only for um, folks still in the belly. Mm. So mm-hmm. no cure for people out of the belly. Yeah, yeah, I believe. 
So they, like, what do they do? They watch movies. They play mm-hmm. phonetic Scrabble, where instead of spelling words, you spell words the way they're That's pronounced. Sad. So, like, jeans is spelled J-E-E-N-Z. I love that. I want to play. I do, too. It was a cute <laughs> idea. All right. So, there we go. Sad, sad. Moving on. A new family moves in next door. Ooh. And with them, they bring their teenage son, Ali, and he's fine. Okay? It's no being around the bush about it. None. And Ollie's eyes meet with Maddie's eyes as she stares with him from stares at him from her bedroom window. She's like, oh, he looking at me, but I can't stop looking. So we just looking at each other and they just look. (laughs) You looking at me? I'm looking at you. We looking at we. (laughs) So let me tell you about the makeup of the family next door. The mother nags, the father drinks and screams, the daughter rebels and Ollie does parkour. Yeah. He's like always jumping off of stuff, doing headstands. Right, right. He's a bit of a weirdo. So Ali and his sister bring a bunt cake from his mom to Maddie's house. And the thing is, don't nobody ever ring their doorbell. So Maddie's at the dinner table with her mom and Carla, her nurse. The doorbell rings and everyone freezes and freaks out. Exactly. So uh, Maddie basically hides. <laughs> her mom goes to the door and they're like alarmed by both the presence of the children and the cake which they can't accept a cake into the house. Right. You know, so the mom in a very like uh, not nice way. She wasn't nice about that at all. Sorry, can't can't take this. Bye. Also, you can't come in. Bye. Ali asks about the doctor's uh, daughter, about the mom's daughter. He's like, can your your daughter come out and, you know, show us around? She just closes the door. The mom does. (laughs) She's like, mind your business. Get out of my house. But to hear that boy asking about her makes Maddie's heart race. She's like me. He's asking about me. Don't, don't, don't. Okay. So we're seeing now how protective the mom is. Could she not have at least allowed the daughter to explain the situation via intercom or something? Like, is there no other way to communicate without going outside? And are they worried Maddie will have her heart broken again, as was the case when the last family next door moved? I think the last family she never even connected with. She just got used to watching them and living vicariously through them. That when they moved, it just threw her into a depression. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But isn't heartbreak just a part of growing up like they're denying her the experience isn't a part of growing up yeah okay learning yeah to deal with i don't know anyway (laughs) so (laughs) the father is screaming and maddie can't help but look out of her window she sees the dad angrily throwing the bunt cake her mom rejected at Ali. So Ali's dad throws the bun cake at him. It lands and is strangely not harmed. <laughs> She's like, it's a good thing we didn't eat it. Mm-mm. That's a stone. Ali, embarrassed, no doubt, stares directly at Maddie's window. He knew she'd be watching. He closes his blinds. Mm. Days later, the bunt cake her mom rejected is sitting on Ali's windowsill. It's, it's alive. In its original condition, <laughs> it still looks the same. And now he puts some googly eyes on it. And um, next to it is a martini and a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to jump from the window, taking its own life. Ali checks for a pulse for Maddie's amusement, of course. <laughs> Dressed as a priest, Ali gives the cake its last rites. He grins when Maddie breaks into laughter. Ali leaves his blinds open most of the time, inviting Maddie like into his realm. 
He is mysterious in his behavior, showing us that he, like Maddie, is craving some attention, some connection with someone outside of his family. Now, I read this book months ago, so I uh, looked up notes on uh, Spark Notes just to remind me of certain parts. But it also um, does a little analysis with some insight that I didn't think of uh, that I want to share with you guys. Again, my source here is Spark Notes. Yeah, so it says pretty cool to read about. I, I mean, yeah. So it says Ali uses the cake as a metaphor for his waning happiness. When I first read this book, I was thinking, oh, they're just being playful. He's flirting with her. But no, that cake is like a little bit representation of him. He gets Maddie's attention at the window under the guise of comedy, creates a narrative of despair and hopelessness using the indestructible bunt cake as his subject. And then the cake wearing various costumes and adornments makes a couple of suicide attempts only to be twice nursed back to health before it finally succumbs. Interesting. And this is to show us how Ali feels trapped in a family mired in anger and abuse, um, but he's not been destroyed yet. But he feels like any day now is over for me. Mm. So, yeah. Well, I, I guess that's an accurate picture for yeah. him. That I, I get it. I get the. So there's layers here in mm. YA romance, Alexis. Yeah, you're right. Okay. So eventually <laughs> Ali just writes on a piece of paper his email address and places that note up against the window so that Maddie can write down his email. Part two. You've got I am. So <laughs> they begin messaging each other, IMing each other after a short series of emails. First, they joke about how indestructible that cake was. <laughs> he calls her a spy. She's like, I'm not a spy. She is, though. That's she all. Is. She's she, a peeping time. Yeah, she's creeping. She says his mom's cake was made of Elmer's glue and sawdust mixed with cement. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine for them. This, they start sharing more real things about each other. Maddie tell, tells him that she attends school online. Um, she tells him how her mom is Japanese American and her dad was African American. He tells her he's really into math, but his dad made him quit the mathletes. And that's supposed to also um, show the reader how controlling his dad is with no type of reasoning. Like, why is he that way? Why he got to quit the mathletes? He got to do some more sports like. Right, right. That's silly. So you uh, so can't be intellectual. You have to be physical. Because for some reason you got to choose. Yeah. Nonsense. A surprise visit. So Carla, the nurse, tells Maddie to get herself ready to spend 20 minutes in the sunroom with Ali. Now, is this a little overstepping on the lines of Carla is not the mama. The mama would have never agreed to this. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, maybe she told her mother and didn't tell her because... Why would she do this? Why would she, why would Carla be so bold? Yeah. Well, listen, Carla loves Maddie. Also, Carla and her daughter aren't talking so much since boys and hormones, she says. So she really admires the um, relationship that Maddie has with her mom. True, true. But, but she's more than a, a nurse for Maddie. She's like a friend. So mm -hmm. she she notices that um, Maddie's been checking her emails and then Maddie outright begged to have Ollie come over. <laughs> Carla said no, but caves. It will have to be a secret they keep from her mother. Madeline is excited, but admits that it's a risk allowing, to, allowing him to visit. And Carla reminds her that everything is a risk, girl. Mm -hmm. However, Maddie thinks he's the biggest risk I've taken. And that's the most YA line I've ever read in my life. 
<laughs> but she is only 18. Yeah, I guess. And she, in her mind, socially, she's like 12. Mm. If that, five, whatever. Well, She's a very intelligent girl, but she just hasn't been socialized. Um, so in order to be in the same room, Ali had to submit to a decontamination process and he must remain distant from Maddie and they absolutely cannot touch in any way. No. Oh, the wonderful YA tension. <laughs> <laughs> so before heading downstairs, Maddie sends Ali a quick email. By the time you read this, we will have met. <laughs> it will have been perfect. Uh, so, uh, Maddie describes the scene for the reader. It's in the sunroom, which is her favorite room in the house. It's almost all glass and looks out perfectly into the manicured lawn. The decor is like a movie set of a tropical rainforest because nothing in it is real. It's filled with real looking plants. Um, I think even some real looking quote unquote fish um, in like a stream. But since she can't be around anything real, it's all plastic or, you know, some other synthetic material. There's even the babbling stream that snakes its way through the room. The furniture is white wicker and a heated fan allows a warm breeze to fill the room so that she can imagine being outside. Okay. Mm -hmm. When she walks in again, Ali is a weirdo. His love of parkour has, um, was like an indication that he's always going to be climbing things. He's like (laughs) Spider-Man without the webs or powers. Yeah. So I was thinking it was a rock wall in that room. Isn't there? Yeah. There's a rock wall and he's like, but it's not a um, rock climbing wall. It's decoration. (laughs) You're actually climbing someone's wall. So when I was like, what is it? I must've missed it. It's a rock climbing wall. No, no. When Maddie walks in, she finds Ali climbing the decorative rocks on the back wall. Um, At first uh, they start talking and they're like all jokey, jokey and awkward with each other. Cute. He occasionally snaps this black rubber band that he wears on his wrist. Obviously he's nervous. Um, And then uh, when Maddie says she wishes, you know, she could, visit the pe- the beach Ali describes the beach he's like oh you don't want to go to the beach because it's wet and cold and salty and deadly think about it all of that water you could die of thirst <laughs> so this is like also showing us the fears that Ali lives with they're yep. both trapped in different ways yep 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 um, and then he for no reason demonstrates a perfect one arm handstand and this is really indicative of like teenage boys, right? Like he's liking her. He's nervous. He's like, this is something cool I can do. And then he does a handstand on one arm. <laughs> <laughs> he remains nearly perfectly still and his shirt falls up to reveal the hard muscles of his stomach. <laughs> and Maddie thinks it's amazing. <laughs> okay. Uh, Carla ends their time together. She's like, headstands, uh, abs showing. That's enough of this. Everybody go home today, respective homes. Yes. As you, Ali, leave. Um, and then she says, before you leave, y'all didn't touch, right? And they're like, touch? We haven't even thought about touching. <laughs> and now that's all that they can think about. And Maddie says, I am suddenly sure spontaneous combustion is a real thing. <laughs> The next day, Maddie is convinced that she's sick. Carla takes her vitals and assures her she's just lovesick. Maddie protests and she's like, I'm not in love. I'm in like. But then she decides something must be done. Maddie emails Ali to tell him, I'm going to be busy. So don't bother reaching out to me. Okay. Then she closes her book and hides it. 
I'm sorry, her uh, laptop yeah. and hides it and reads Alice in Wonderland. That's not a short book. So, <laughs> she uh, needs to busy herself up. Yeah. She didn't want to be thinking about this boy. Yeah. And so when she's done with the book, she goes and opens the computer. And guess what, Alexis? He didn't message her. And she is furious. <laughs> Carly, hot. Carly tells Maddie, you crazy telling the boy not to email you and then being upset when he don't. But I totally get it. Whatever. I've done that. that listen, don't do that. <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> the next time they talk, they decide we'll be friends. OK, we're going to be friends. Just friends. Well, really, she decided it. Yeah. I want to be your friend. She's just like, oh, uh-huh. she can't take the emotion. So after a week, after the first visit, so Carla's like, let's see how you do with this first visit. If you don't get sick, he can come over again. And Carla's like really invested in him coming over now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know, Carla, stay in your place. You are the hired aid. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, she, she's trying to give her just a taste. And she feels like her life should be lived so... It's not her place. I agree. It's not her place. Yeah, she doesn't want her to live a risk-free life. That's yeah. not living. But it's not her place. So um, Maddie's like, while Ali's downstairs, Maddie up- upstairs trying on different outfits, standing in different angles in the mirror. Um, and then she finally comes downstairs and he's like, you look like the angel of death. <laughs> you always wear black. You notice that? Um, anyway, I can do a handstand. <laughs> He then, comments, so weird. <laughs> he then comments on how cool the circulation system is in that room. How cool all of it is, really. And Maddie confides in him something that the reader doesn't even know. And that's that her dad and brother were killed by a trucker who fell asleep at the will. The trucker mm-hmm. was overworked. He was working multiple shifts. So there was a settlement after the mom sued the trucker's company. And that settlement pays for everything in the room. It pays for her home care. Because you're like, how do they afford all this? I know the mom's a doctor, but mm-hmm. really her daughter's like her only patient. No, so, no. Oh, she, no. She has. She has. A, she works at the hospital. Oh, that's true. She just spends so much time caring for her daughter. I don't know what else she could be doing at the hospital. Yeah. But you're right. You're right. But it's not enough to pay for all of this. So now we know where they get their millions from. Um, and it's sad because Maddie barely remembers her brother and father. Um, after expressing his sympathy, he's like, I'm so sorry. Um, he reflects soberly on the complexity of life. We mm-hmm. may wish that our lives were different, he says, but a person is like a formula in which slightly different inputs can produce radically different outputs. Mm. And then I just think of Professor Malcolm from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Because he's talking about chaos theory. <laughs> so uh, that's my full education on chaos theories from Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, Maddie responds that for anyone who reads books, the fact that people are unpredictable is not news. To herself, however, she predicts that she is going to fall in love with Ollie and it's going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but then somebody already say to her mom already says there was something about falling in love. Her mom? I don't know, because her mom wouldn't even imagine her falling. In- oh, no, that's coming later. I know oh, what you're okay. talking about. Yeah, stay tuned. So the signs that something's up with Maddie start to become evident. First of all, due to late night I am sessions with Ali, she's canceling these movie nights with her mama left and right. She done dropped her mama <laughs> so quick. And her mom's like, what's it's wrong? You love our nights. Yeah. And um, Maddie's like, <coughs> I'm sick. <laughs> <laughs> her mom's like, boom. <laughs> 
However, Maddie worries that keeping a secret is causing her and her mother to drift apart emotionally. So she's like torn. I got to be closer to Ali, but I don't want to not be close to my mom. But also, I really want to be close to Ali. And I'm choosing that, but I feel bad about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Second of all, tired of wearing nothing but uh, the black and looking like the angel of death. Also white T-shirts. Maddie uses her mother's credit card to spend over $200 on shirts in a rainbow of colors. Okay, well. Feels like stealing, but they have the money. Like, we're on a date. She got to get ready for her date. <laughs> she needs a pink shirt. And it's he Wednesday. was like, <laughs> do something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and lastly, she even canceled a movie night secretly to I Am Ali. So, um, Ali and Maddie meet in the sunroom again. I feel like it's happening all the time now. They don't mm-hmm. even wait a week in between because Carla's like, yeah, you fine. This time, Ali explains his family, and to do so, he must explain his father. Ten-year-old Ali and his dad are at the breakfast bar in their old penthouse apartment in New York City. It's Christmas time, so maybe it's snowing outside, or maybe it's just stopped snowing. This is a memory, so the details are a bit uncertain. His dad has made fresh hot chocolate. He's a connoisseur and prides himself on making it from scratch. He melts actual bars of baking chocolate and uses whole 100% of the fat milk. He takes Ali's favorite mug, pours in a layer of chocolate, and adds six ounces of hot milk heated to almost boiling on the stove, never in the microwave. Ali stirs the milk and chocolate together while his dad gets the whipped cream, always freshly made from the fridge. The cream is just lightly sweetened, the kind of sweet that makes you want more. He spoons one dollop, maybe two, into Ali's mug. Ali raises his cup and blows on the already melting whipped cream. It slides across the surface like a miniature iceberg. He eyes his dad over the top of the mug, trying to gauge what kind of mood he's in. Lately, the moods have been bad, worse than normal. Newton was wrong, his dad says now. The universe is not deterministic. Ali kicks his legs. He loves when his dad talks to him like this, mano a mano, like he's a grown-up, even though he doesn't always understand what he's saying. They've been having more of these conversations since his dad's suspension from work. What does that mean? Ali asks. His dad always waits for Ali to ask before explaining anything. It means one thing doesn't always lead to another, he says, and takes a slurp of hot chocolate. Somehow, his dad never blows on the hot liquid first. He just dives right in. It means you can do everything right and your life can still turn to crap. Ali holds his sip of hot chocolate in his mouth and stares at the mug. A few weeks ago, Ali's mom had explained that his dad was going to be home for a while until things were fixed at work. She wouldn't say what was wrong, but Ali had overheard words like fraud and investigation. He wasn't quite sure what any of it meant, only that his dad seemed to love Ali and Kara and his mom a little less than he did before. And the less he seemed to love them, the more they tried to become more lovable. 
The phone rings and his dad strides over to it. Ali swallows his mouthful of hot chocolate and listens. At first, his dad uses his work voice, the one that's angry and relaxed at the same time. Eventually, though, his voice just turns to anger. You're firing me? You just said they were clearing me. Ali finds himself getting angry, too, on behalf of his dad. He puts his mug down and slips off his stool. His dad paces the length of the room. His face is a storm. I don't care about the money. Don't do this, Phil. If you fire me, everyone's going to think. He stopped moving and holds the phone away from his ear. He doesn't say anything for a long time. Ali stops moving too, hoping that whatever Phil says next will fix everything. Jesus, you guys can't do this to me. No one's going to touch me after this. Ali wants to go to his dad and tell him everything is going to be okay, but he can't. He's too afraid. He slips out of the room, taking his hot chocolate with him. This is why Ali is so devoted to chaos theory, because a random event in the past made a huge difference in the present. That's how he sees it. He remembers the first time his dad got drunk in the afternoon and he thinks, should I have comforted him? Would it have mattered? Would things be different today if I had said something then? And so he's internalizing all these bad choices his dad is making and blaming himself, as is often the case. After the visit, Maddie applies for a credit card of her own because she's 18 now. And Carla counsels her against canceling movie nights with her mom. She's like, your mom is lonely. She you're her whole life. So and then Carla's also um, projecting how she feels about her daughter. But she's like, stop yeah. canceling movie nights or else you'll never see this boy again. And then uh, Maddie's like, please. And Carla's like, okay, fine. Because <laughs> Carla's a huge fan of YA romance. Yeah, Ivy. <laughs> so Ali and Maddie share another visit in the sunroom. Surprise, surprise. Maddie learns how to do a handstand like Ali. And then she falters. And instinctively, what happens? They he, touch. She catches her by the ankles. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, down, down, down. <laughs> And she pauses. She's like, am I dead? Ah, She thinks to herself that every nerve in her body is migrating to his touch. She stands upright and they are three feet apart. Brazenly, they hold hands, touching palms. This is reckless. Very. He tells her about her freckles and how her hair looks like a cloud. They remain that way until Carla approaches. And they're like, hi, we weren't doing nothing. What? Mm -hmm. Kissing is now all she can think about. <laughs> how did we get here? She was like kissing, here. more kissing. And guess what? During their next visit together, they kiss they secretly. Kiss. After her first kiss, she asks him, is it always like that? He responds, no, it's never like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One evening. <laughs> This is <laughs> One evening, she's playing phonetic Scrabble with her mom, spelling out words like outside, secrets, freedom. And her mom's like, girl, what's wrong with you? OK, enough is enough. But then they hear some screaming coming from the house next door. Mm. They run to the window. Ali and his father, who is drunk, are fighting on the porch. 
When the father punches Ollie in the stomach, Maddie rushes outside without thinking. She oh got to protect goodness. her man. She's like, ah, not my baby. Her mama like, wait, what? It just happened. And her mom is like, wait, why would you act this way for a complete stranger? And then she realizes Ollie is no stranger. Uh oh. So her mom rushes her inside and the repercussions come quick. First of all, Carla is fired. As she should be. Come on, y'all. Let's just. Carla's not a good caretaker. <laughs> it doesn't mean she's not a good caretaker, hey. but she is not honoring her mother's, the employer's wishes. Okay, so she's a bad employee. Her <laughs> her job is caretaking, so she's a bad caretaker. Um, she's before good. they're friends. So. <laughs> before leaving, Carla reminds Maddie to be brave because life is a gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her mother's removed her internet access indefinitely. Ali must communicate with her using like hand signals from his window. He's doing the chicken dance. No one knows what that means. Uh, Maddie's mother hires a new evil nurse. Maddie soon realizes that she has no friends in her house and her house is her entire world. So she has no friends in the world. Maddie's mom is like, Carla wasn't your friend, girl. Ooh, she was like, your friend. She wouldn't have let that boy come over and be in the sunroom with my fake plants and climbing on my walls <laughs> like a monkey. <laughs> no, no, that ain't it. That ain't it. Maddie, this is the part you were talking about before. Maddie repeats something that Carla told her to her mother. Maddie's like, uh, love can't kill me. And the mom says, that's not true. Ooh. Mm. Dang. In time. Life continues. Ali goes back to school as summer break is over. Internet privileges are restored to Maddie until 3 p.m. daily, which is really sad because um, Ali get out of school like at four or five. Um, Ali IMs Maddie with details about high school, but she misses their times together in person, talking and kissing. <laughs> One day she sees him pull into his driveway with Kara and another girl in the car with him. The mystery girl laughs and puts her hand on Ollie's shoulder. <laughs> Who is this harlot? <laughs> as soon as that girl touches his shoulder, Ollie sheepishly looks up at Maddie's window like, this, oh, this don't mean nothing. She's like, you know what? This is too much. I can't take it. I need out. I can't do relationships. <laughs> And then he waves at the window like, hi. <laughs> but Maddie has ducked out of sight. Okay, part three, our final, oh no, our penultimate part. Aloha means hello and goodbye. So Maddie has once again canceled a mother-daughter night, not because she's hanging out with Ali online, but because she just now kind of ain't really rocking with her mama like that. Mm. Her mother comes to her bedroom to check on her, but also brings a gift that she hopes will cheer Maddie up. It's a framed photo of their family, Madam's ha Maddie's handsome father and happy mother and four-month-old Maddie and her brother. The photo was taken on a beach in Hawaii, on Maui, just one month before Maddie's father and brother died. Later, after Ali has tried to explain with hand gestures that the girl Maddie saw was just a lab partner, and I got to watch the movie because I got to see how he did this. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie starts thinking seriously about the sameness of her life. Mm -hmm. 
books, she observes, unfold differently when you read them backwards. My life, though, she thinks, has always been like a palindrome, the same in one direction and the other. Madam, I'm madam. Or Mm -hmm. Adam, I'm madam. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ali's changed everything, though, and she does not not know how to go back to being just the girl who reads. Well, that is hard. He exposed. She was fine in her space, and then he made eye contact with her. Was she, though? She was. She didn't know she was missing anything. She knew from the book she was reading. But she didn't feel like she was lacking. Yeah, it wasn't as hard. And so now he comes into her world, smiles, winks, and blows kisses to the window. And, and she like mm-hmm. and does handstands and throws on the girl. Mm-hmm. Her world has been rocked. And it's really that easy when you're mm-hmm. a teenager in love. Yes. Mm-hmm. She writes her mother a goodbye letter. She's like, sigh, yo, Nara. <laughs> she explains that look mama I love you and I'm grateful to be alive or whatever I know you care but, but <laughs> <laughs> I gotta embrace living and sometimes that means dying like the little prince in the children's book I'm ready to die in order to be with my rose she then dramatically runs to the house next door throws rocks at Ollie's window he comes down they kiss. Maddie puts Ali more at ease by lying and saying, I found these pills online on Amazon. The FDA approved. I take them now and I'm fine. Yay. And like he, be- outside. <laughs> he believes because he wants to believe, but mm-hmm. it's foolishness. Um, she also is like, hey, I booked us a flight to Maui. That's not weird, right? From L.A. to Maui. What? Me and you. Because remember, I got that credit card. I ain't got no job, though. Madeline Whittier and Oliver Bright. Let's go. He was like, she was like, those are the pros of dating an older woman. Get into it. (laughs) How young is he? He's 17. (laughs) Ooh. Mm. <laughs> no, it's okay. So before leaving for the airport, they stop by who else's house? Carla's. Yes. And um, Carla's not filled by this pill story. She's asking questions. She's like, you you know how dumb this sound, girl. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> she keeps up the fires, knowing it's risky, but she's taking risks in her own life, like coming to this country when her family didn't want her to. And she's like, I'll live my life, Maddie. Go live yours mm-hmm. for the couple seconds you can mm-hmm. do it. So I'm like, what's going on here? Um, While they're on the flight, Maddie puts together a first few time flyer, frequently asked questions. Chief among these is how kissing is great for earaches. (laughs) (laughs) Ear popping on the plane in flight takeoff. Chew gum or kiss. They both work equally. Also, (laughs) life, not just flights, is full of turbulence. It's pretty poetic. Mm. Maddie and Ollie check into their hotel as newlyweds. No, they're not married. (laughs) They are not married. The room is small, raggedy with just a Murphy bed. You ever seen a Murphy bed in a hotel room? (laughs) You know they got bed bugs. No. Um, Ollie teases Maddie over having brought the little prince along like her little security blanket. It contains a note promising the finder a Hawaii trip. Maddie <laughs> Maddie suddenly gets dizzy and feels a painful squeezing around her heart. Mm. And Ali becomes worried um, when she says she's feeling lightheaded. But uh, when Maddie's stomach growls, they laugh and they're like, obviously, I'm just hungry. So here's a few things they do. I've never been hungry before. Right, I, I had a regular feeding schedule. Oh, that's right. Exactly. Yes. So, so she's never known how to eat because she's hungry. Right. Ugh. 
Anyway, so this is a few, these are a few things that they're doing on the island. They buy souvenirs. I don't know for who Maddie buy any souvenirs from, but she buys some. Uh, they, <laughs> Mama and Carla. Sure, right. <laughs> she goes snorkeling. Um, they have lunch with Ali's friend, Zach. Uh, Ali's friend, Zach, who is in Hawaii living the life he wants, but not the one his parents want for him. Maddie fully accepts that by choosing life, she is choosing death. But she gives her entire self to Ali. Mm. When she awakes the next day, she is shivering and aching from head to toe. This is what um, Alexis was describing in the opening, like intro of our show. Maddie's heart stops temporarily. And she's rushed to the hospital after Ali, uh, Ali calls the ambulance and Maddie's mom. Maddie vaguely remembers the ambulance trip, adrenaline shots to restart her heart, a hospital stay, and an airplane flight. She's going home. Maddie's mother hovers over Maddie's bed. You're going to be okay, her mom says. Interjected with, how could you do this? You're going <laughs> to be me. okay. To how me. could you do this to me? To me. You're going to be okay. How could you do this? Okay. Love is a terrible thing, she decides, Maddie decides, and she wants nothing to do with it. She deletes all of Ollie's messages. Dramatic. Maddie's mom begins losing weight from the stress. Ollie's emails eventually stop coming. So even though she deleted him, he's constantly messaging her and she'll just delete, delete, Mm -hmm. delete. And then he Mm -hmm. stops messaging her. However, Carla is hired back. Yay. Because the mom obviously just wants her daughter to be happy mm-hmm. in a little way, at least. And she's like, you really learned your lesson the hard way. I think we can invite Carla back, who's a bad influence and doesn't do what I say. But now y'all both learn y'all lessons so she can Ooh. come back because I know she got her act together. Yeah, she knows I'll fire her with the quickness. Mm-hmm. When Carla returns and hugs Maddie, Maddie dissolves into tears. She feels mm-hmm. terrible over no. what she did to her mother, she says. She doesn't want to talk about Ali ever. And she's afraid that if her heart recovers from this hurt, she will use her heart again in the future. <laughs> she must go back to pre Ali life, palindrome like life. One day a moving van arrives next door. Alexis, Ali's leaving. Yeah, they're gone. Ali, his sister, and their mother hurriedly move their belongings into the fan while the dad is away. They out. Ali waves to Maddie, unsure of if the girl is even watching. Mm. Ah, she wishes she could undo the last few months of knowing him. She should have stayed in her white room reading her brand new books. A month later, uh, the father moves out to... Maddie recovers Ali's emails from her trash folder and laughs. He's written limericks. He's tried to um, just check in with her, see how she's doing health wise Mm -hmm. and tell her how he feels. You know, He, he has strong feelings for that girl. Also, he shares with her. That we're leaving. We, we find my mother finally got the courage to leave because of you. I told mm-hmm. her about your disease and how you risked everything in order to feel alive. And so, if you can do that, my mom was like, "Man, I, I think I can leave this man who's abusive." So we left. So thank you. Mm. Part four, our final part. What's really going on here? Uh oh. So Maddie receives an email from Doctor Melissa Francis who treated Maddie at the Maui hospital. 
Dr. Francis believes that Maddie does not have skid and that she contracted a viral infection. Why? Because her immune system ain't never been exercised. She's like, your immune system works. You just ain't never worked it. That's right. She has an immune system. Mm -hmm. It's just not been exposed to the world enough so that it's built up. You've spent your life isolated from germs. So when these little germs hit your system, your system overreacted. Mm -hmm. So Dr. Francis urges Maddie, hey, I know your mom's a doctor, but maybe get a second opinion. That's not from a member of your family. Also, doctors shouldn't be treating a family. That's like day one stuff. (laughs) That's she kind of got frustrated said. at the end of the letter. Like, this is the this most is, ridiculous. Erase, crazy. erase. Are you not uh, erase, erase? Signed, Dr. Francis. She was over it. And Maddie's like, nah, this, this is a special is, case. Yeah, this is hmm. some kind of mistake, Maddie thinks. But she prints out the email and the attached test results. She spends some time online trying to do her own research. And then she brings everything to her mother. Her mother's like, baby, your situation is so complex. A lot of doctors have never encountered it. Right, they right. don't know. Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds, well, yeah, that makes sense. A right. lot of doctors don't even know what to look for. So I had to protect you. Right. And I'm a doctor. I know. But she says I had to protect you not once, but twice. And like something three about times, the, in fact. Yeah, yeah, something about the repeating of it. Maddie grows quiet and asks for the printout back. She's like, uh, can I have back those sheets I gave you? Her mom's like, what sheets? <laughs> like, Get it. Back. And now Maddie is starting to have doubts about whether being under her mom's care is the best thing for her. Dun, dun, dun. What do you think right now reading the book? I'm confident the mom is um, cuckoo. I thought it earlier. So me too. From the beginning, I was thinking something about the mom ain't right. Because she's just so wrapped up in her daughter's world. If if you can decontaminate people and bring them in the house, then make an effort to socialize your daughter. Mm-hmm. Where's her space suit? Yeah, where's her space suit to get her outside at mm-hmm. least? Mm-hmm. You just want her next to you all the time. Yeah. And then uh, a couple other things. So so Maddie's like, hey, Carla, come here, come here. Uh, look, look at what the doctor from Maui said. And Carla's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've been suspicious about your mama for a long time because I don't think she right in the head ever since your father and brother died. I hate to say it, but. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. She said, give me a day. She said, give me all these papers. I'm going to a real doctor uh, and I'll be back with an answer. That's what she said. Carla's a friend. OK, she uh, right to die. But Maddie can't wait. So she does some internet uh, research and then she goes to her mom's office. But before we get there, I want to again bring up Spark Notes because they has something insightful to say about this part of the book. Okay. Faced with the possibility that she had never truly been ill, Maddie questions everything her mother has ever told her. Of course. Maddie is now determined to find out the truth about her illness and the relationship of dependency that her mother has forced upon her. Maddie's mother has prevented Maddie from leaving her by denying Maddie the opportunity to live life to the fullest. And now we see the parallel even more between um, Ollie and Maddie's lives. Mm -hmm. They have parents who are abusive, perhaps in their way. We're not clear yet on the mom, although we have our suspicions. But perhaps they both have been um, subjects of abuse, um, Maddie, unknowingly. Mm-hmm. So Carla goes to visit the skid specialist. Maddie can't wait and begins rummaging through her mother's office. 
I find a photocopy of the first page of an article on Skid from a medical journal. Her scrawls in the margins are illegible. After that, there's a single visit to an allergist and then visits to three different immunologists. Each concludes that no illness was found, and that's it. I dig through the cabinet again for more files. It doesn't make sense that this would be all there is. Where are the test results? There must have been a fourth immunologist, right? Where's the diagnosis? Where are the consultations and the second opinions? There must be another thick red folder. I scour the files for a third time and a fourth. I spill other folders to the ground and rifle through them. I hunt through the papers on her desk. I thumb through the pages of her medical journals looking for highlighted passages. I'm breathing too quickly as I run over to her bookshelves. I pull down books, shake them by their spines, willing something to fall out. A forgotten lab result, an official diagnosis. I find nothing, but nothing is not evidence. Maybe the proof is elsewhere. It takes me only one try to guess her password, Madeline. I spend two hours looking through every document on her computer. I search her internet browser history. I look in her trash folder. Nothing. Nothing. Where's the proof of the life I have lived? I turn a slow pirouette in the middle of the room. I don't believe the evidence of my own eyes. I don't believe what I'm not seeing. How can there be nothing? It's like my sickness was invented out of the much too thin air that I'm breathing. It's not true. It can't be. Is it possible that I'm not sick? My mind flinches away from this line of thought. Maybe she keeps other records in her room. Why didn't I think of that before? 5.23 a.m. Can I wait for her to wake up? No. The door opens just as I'm walking over to it. There you are, she says, relief evident in her voice. I got worried you weren't in your room. She comes in further and her eyes widen as she takes in the chaos surrounding us. Do we have an earthquake? She asks. Eventually, she realizes the mess is man-made. She turns on me, confused. Sweetheart, what's going on? Am I sick? I ask. My blood beats too loudly in my ears. What did you say? Am I sick? I say it louder this time. Her burgeoning anger dissipates, replaced by concern. Do you feel sick? She reaches out a hand to touch me, but I push it away. The hurt on her face makes me slightly ill, but I press. No, that's not what I mean. Do I have skid? Her concern morphs into exasperation and a little pity. Is this about that letter? Yes, I said. And Carla too. She said that maybe you weren't okay. Meaning what? What am I accusing her of exactly? Where are all the papers? She takes a deep breath to steady herself. Madeline Whittier, what are you talking about? You have records for everything, but there's nothing about Skid in here. Why can't I find anything? I grab the red folder from the ground and shove it at her. You have everything else. What are you talking about? She said. Of course it's in here. I'm not sure what I was expecting from her, but that was not it. Does she really believe it's all here? 
She clutches the folder to her chest like she's trying to make it a part of herself. Did you look carefully? I keep everything. She walks over to her desk and clears a space. I watch her as she examines the files, rearranging them, smoothing her hands over pages that don't need smoothing. After a while, she looks up at me. Did you take them? I know they were in here. Her voice is thick with confusion and also fear. And that's when I know, for sure, I am not sick and I never have been. Maddie runs out of the front door and feels a strange mix of happiness and despair. Her mother follows her outside and tries to persuade her to come back in. Maddie's mother blurts out, I lost your dad and I lost your brother. I couldn't lose you too. Maddie grows angry. I've never been sick. You're the one. Maddie uh, then installs a lock on her bedroom door. She fills the sunroom with real plants and live goldfish to replace the fake one. She names all the goldfish Ollie. <laughs> Carla announces, yeah, I'm leaving because like, why am I here now? No one's sick. Well, someone is, but I'm not a psychiatrist. So bye. <laughs> it's like I'm out. Mm. When she's leaving, um, Maddie hugs her and is like, that woman took my whole life from me. And Carla's like, no, no, you have a lot of life left. Maddie emails Ollie. By the time you read this, you will have forgiven me. Then she books a flight to New York to visit him. Before leaving, her mother gifts her a cell phone and begs for forgiveness. It better be an iPhone. <laughs> oh, boy. Could you imagine? Here's this. Uh, <laughs> of Samsung course I can imagine. It would be okay. It no, would be the Mom. latest. Um, <laughs> you took 17 years of my life. Get some help. <laughs> Maddie has texted Ollie to meet her in a used bookshop and to look for a present in aisle S through U. She arrives a little early to place the present on a shelf. She watches Ollie arrive and find the book, her copy of The Little Prince. Inside, the finder's reward listed as me, Madeline. When Maddie comes out of hiding, Ollie smiles. Found your book, he says. The end. Should we take a break? Yeah, let's do that. All right, let's do it. All right, Alexis. So what did you think of Everything, Everything by Nicola Hume? Okay. I'm going to say that I did not like it. <gasps> When we first, when I first started reading it, I was like, "This okay? She's in, okay, so she's in love with him. Okay, can we move on already?" And just as I Heartless. was um, <laughs> getting to the end of that, that's when the bomb dropped about the um, mom kind of having her own illness. Mm-hmm. So. At the end of all of that, I did enjoy it. I love the twist. I mm-hmm. think that is made made me just enjoy the book. Even because though you of the suspected twist. it, mm-hmm. you That's still a, enjoyed it as it unfolded. Yeah. So listen, um, when when she was flying out, I'm like, she got scared. She should be sick and dead already. Mm. Here, what's going on with this? What's going on? How does she take that whole flight? Were they in California? Yeah, LA to Oh, okay. Uh, so Maui. that's closer to... But still. 
Yeah, but she's on this flight and this recirculated air. She should be having fits. There is something going on. And then when the um, friend, his friend in Hawaii was like, what's what's your parents' problem? And she's mm-hmm. like, my parents, my mama just loved me a lot. It's like, okay, something's wrong with her mom. Yeah. Something's really wrong with her mom. So, yes, it's, for me, it was a slow start. Because it was just like, okay, it's a teenage love story. Move yeah, on. Yeah. But then it Not turned relatable. Out. Yeah. And At so my big it, age. <laughs> my big age. So it, it, I eventually caught up with it with the twist. And I did end up enjoying the book. And I definitely would recommend the book. Okay. How about you, Kari? Would you recommend it? What's your final verdict? Of course I recommend it. Five stars. I love this book. So I have this thing where before I visit an area, I like to... I read books set in that area. So I was going to Maui. I picked this up to read in the airport, read it by the time we landed. And I was like, great, what I'm going to do now? However, looking back, I I just loved how effortless it was to consume this story. Mm -hmm. I love the YA romance. So that part was great. And then the twist, which I expected from the beginning, just because I'm always looking for a twist. Yeah, always. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, so that's probably the twist. And it was, but it was still great for me. I like the way it unfolded. Um, Also, reading the spark notes made me think a little deeper on it. There are things in the book that I thought were negligible, little acts or um, side plots or whatever, but they weren't, they added to the layers of these characters. And so as an adult, you can apply this to your relationship with your parents or to other people in your life who are authority figures, people who try to project their sicknesses onto you in whatever Mm, way. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's a lot here. So I would definitely recommend this book, you know? Um, Yeah. I really loved it. I do enjoy the um, spark notes every once in a while when you can find one that has something to do with the um, book that we're reading. I enjoy um The last time those. I think I read Spark Notes were for Animal Farm. Oh, really? Because we had recorded that uh, so far after I read it. Um, those were helpful. But yeah, I got to look into Spark Notes. Uh, even while reading the book, we read our books, you guys. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah for sure. But um, sometimes it helps to know um, what someone else thinks. And mm-hmm. yeah, what they've brought out of the story. Okay. So what are we reading next week, Kari? Well, next week is a wild card where we're going to cover a play. And we've really been looking forward to this. We want to get more into theatrical works. We're going to talk about the importance of being earnest. And it will be a video podcast. So check us out wow. on YouTube. We haven't wow. done one of those in a while. So haven't. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening to Lit Society. We look forward to meeting up with you next week. Thursday. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Honoria and Kari Herrera. That's me. Support the cause by leaving a five star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us. We love you too. We love you. And still yet, <laughs> you can leave a five star review for us on Spotify. That's right. If you've enjoyed what you just heard, tell a friend about Lit Society. Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes, this month's book list, and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, readers, read read something. something.